0: Welcome to Podcasts, recorded live at the Center for Spiritual Living in Portland, Oregon. Listen past the end of the podcast to find out more about our spiritual center and ways that you may collaborate with us. Uh, welcome, everyone. So glad you're joining us today. You know, the idea of being happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise, right? Is that the recipe for success or what? but i i wonder how often do we really visualize ourselves that way how often do we say to ourselves yeah that's exactly who i am i'm happy healthy wealthy and wise see i think more often we find fault with what's going on in our world. I think so often we think of ourselves as as less than or having less than. And it's interesting that the song takes the attitude of, no, no, I am these things. I represent these 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 things are for me. And really that's the secret of success, I think, is knowing that there is good for you and that you shall have it, despite maybe what's going on in your life right now, despite, uh, well, you open your bank account, and that maybe isn't what you'd like it to be, or you uh, contemplate a relationship, and it isn't quite as loving and happy as you might choose it to be. We tend to focus on the little things that are not going well, rather than the 99% of our lives that are just going so beautifully. Let me start with a a quick reading from the book we're using this month. We're using Treat Yourself to Life, a Science of Mind and a Unity classic of Raymond Charles Barker. Here's what he says. I do not define success on a monetary basis or on the basis of genius. Success is not based on grandiose achievements or the applause of the public. The successful individual is creative in their experience and is at peace within themselves while they are creative. If you are doing this, you are successful, and the money that you might earn is simply secondary. So let's unpack that a little bit. He says the successful individual is creative in their experience and at peace within themselves while they are creative. let's, uh, Let's unpack that a little bit. I had to read that through a few times to figure out, okay, so what is success again? So first of all, are we using the creative process to further our values, intentions, and goals? When he says that we're using the creative process that's what he's talking about are we using it in a productive way are we using the divine creative process our own creativity our own interaction with spirit through our thoughts our words our actions and our deeds are we doing it in ways that really support our values are they supporting our intentions are they supporting our goals in life that's the first measure of success, he says. Are we basically in alignment with what we stand for? And are we using our mental, spiritual, emotional, and physical assets towards those ends? I wish I could say that was true of me all the time. I'm getting better at it. But often, are you like me and finding yourself spending a fair amount of time that isn't really on purpose. That if you really looked at your life goals, if you really looked at where you you want to be successful, you might find yourself doing a little backpedaling or sidestepping. It's just part you might view of things that have to be done, but not necessarily in alignment with who you are and what you stand for. The second part of uh, his statement of what success is has to do with are we satisfied with the results? Are we seeing ourselves in it? Is the results of our, our actions, our thoughts, our words, our emotions, are those pleasing to us? Are we satisfied? Well, if those are the measures of success, I think that we do have a way to go. Raymond Charles Barker describes it as a kind of confusion around the source of our success and I want to I want to portray his idea of how the universe works in relation to you personally. So first of all, picture yourself as the center of the universe. I love this, right? I think most of the time we do anyway, but to upfront just say I and the center of my own personal universe, I think is pretty empowering. And even within that center, it's not my body, it's not even my brain, it's my consciousness. My consciousness and my connection to God, my, my soul, if you will, my spirit, is at the very center Of my universe and then as we move outward a little bit right we're going to encompass our our thoughts and our emotions as we move outward a little bit more we're going to uh, include our body as we move outward a little bit more we're going to include the people with whom we have a, a sphere of influence over our friends and our family we move outward a little more and we we cover our living situation and maybe our home and our neighborhood we move it out a little bit more and we include our community, and then our city, and our state, and so on. Uh, Ultimately, with us in the very center of this, well, in my case, the universe, according to Larry, I would encompass the whole world with me being in the middle of it. Now, he says this is important for one particular reason, and that's because that is how the world gets portrayed to us from the inside out it is at the very center of our core our own set of beliefs our own set of what we think is true about us and the world that makes that journey from the inside to the outside and ultimately colors how we view the world And so let's take an example. If in my very core belief system, I I see resources as limited, perhaps I've grown up in poverty and seen only the results around me of not enough money to have, not enough food to have, not a good enough education and so on. Uh, There might be in the very core of my being a set of beliefs, a set of thoughts around fixed and few resources. Well, the trouble with that is because uh, the universe, according to Larry, right, We're, we're still working in my personal universe here, me at the center, if that is my belief, that is what spreads to the outside. And so I begin having thoughts and emotional impacts around not having enough, around believing that resources are limited. And then I begin acting out on that. I'm nervous about opportunities that seem too good to be true, right? There's not that much running to go around. There are not those kind of opportunities. And so I begin not actually taking people up on their their gracious gifts. I begin doubting my own ability to earn a living or to make my way in the world. I begin to distrust people without even checking them out, thinking it's just too good to be true because in my world, In my inner core, I'm believing that there's not enough to go around and there's certainly not enough for me. And then I expand that further, right? I start treating the people around me, even the people that I love, as though the uh, world is limited for their resources as well, too. Pretty soon I have a whole family and a collection of friends, and we're all believing that there's not enough to go around, and oh, poor us, and oh my gosh, this is what we have to settle for. Let's get the most menial jobs we can have, because that's all that's going to be available to us. And then we project that out onto the world, and every Everywhere we look we see poverty and we see lack even even though right in the midst of us there might be great wealth there might be great success And so when we begin this process, this this secret of success, the secret starts where? Not in rearranging the outside of things, not in like painting our apartment brighter colors that might cheer us up for a while, but it is not going to change that inner core belief structure of not having enough, not being enough, being prone to failure rather than success, and so forth. If we want to see a change on the outside, the place to start is at the center of your universe. And that is your own soul. That is your own set of core beliefs and values. And so when Raymond Charles Barker says that success is using the creative process to further our values, intentions, and goals, that's what he's talking about we begin thinking about the way we want our lives to be instead of perhaps the way they've been in the past. We begin holding up on high for ourselves the idea that there is a better job, a better relationship, a better way of being in the world. And we put ourselves in it. We don't look at it as some wistful hope in the future, but we begin internalizing it. We see ourselves in the middle of that fabulous relationship. We picture ourselves in that ideal job. We, we feel ourselves in the environment of uh, of luxury that we desire and then that permeates outwards, right? That begins moving out into our idea of the world from the inside out. We begin noticing some of the opportunities for us out in the world for finding that loving relationship, for accepting that better job, for doing really well in that interview that we thought we would bomb. We begin visualizing it, and so as the inside works towards the outside, those opportunities that were are always is there are now visible to us we're, we're noticing them we're seeking them out it's not magic the universe is abundant but when we have the mindset that it's not abundant for me we will literally look over the opportunities we will literally not notice that there is good for us sitting right there sitting right there So I have a joke for us today, but you know, it's the shortest joke on the whole planet. Uh, uh, Normally I have my little sheet so that I get it right. Well, this one is basically a one-liner. The road to success is marked with many tempting parking places. The road for success is marked with many very tempting parking spaces. Now, you might ask me, well, what are those parking spaces, Larry? And why would I want to get off of the road of success? Why would I want to park when I'm on the road of success? Believe it or not, oftentimes we settle for what is good enough instead of true success. Have you ever settled for something that you knew ultimately was not really right for you? I remember my first job at the telephone company. Oh, gosh, I was desperate from work. I was right out of college. I had two wonderful degrees, right? I should have qualified for something fabulous, but I didn't actually have very good self-esteem when I first came out of college. And so I literally went to the new, this sounds so lame. I almost apologized for my younger self, but I went to the Oregonian, and in those days they had want ads, and like the only place was hiring. And this was the way I viewed myself, too, right? Well, the only job I can get would be here in the Oregonian, and it was a telephone company. And they gave me the offer of, well, do you want to become a telephone operator, or would you rather do data entry? And so I settled in my mind for being a data entry clerk coming out of college with all these dreams of the future and and the ability to uh, to be teaching english and what well you don't need to know what my dreams were then but what i know is i totally settled i i got off the road to success and parked myself at the telephone company for 18 years now it wasn't a terrible experience and that's the point actually of this joke the parking spaces are very tempting. The telephone company paid me a living wage. It may have been an entry-level job, but back then with the telephone company, even the entry-level jobs actually were enough to have a nice apartment and food on the table and so on. And so I just pulled my little self right into that parking space. Then what I discovered was after I worked for a while, they'd make it a reserved parking space, <laughs> right? And then after a little while, I discovered, oh, you can have the extra wide parking space that's also reserved. And then I remember I got into management one day, and oh my gosh. valet parking, (laughs) right? It's like the parking space gets nicer and better. And suddenly you don't even notice that the road to success is actually right there anymore because it's more about the parking space. It's more about what you settled for than it is your dream. Now, for me, finding the dream took some time. I put in 18 years at the telephone company, and it wasn't until they literally downsized my department, right? They booted me out of the parking space that I found once again my true calling. I don't want that for you. I do not want you to spend 18... I don't want you to spend any time in a parking space unless it really supports your values unless it really supports your intentions unless it really supports your almost your soul's goal in life now i don't think there's anything wrong with having to take a job to earn a living and things like that but when you start getting comfortable in it when it starts being the the reserve parking space i'm telling you you're in danger of losing your true success and whether it's success in a relationship that uh, is just okay or whether it's success in a job that well this will do or whether it's success in some other form or place in your life ultimately ultimately you will not feel successful unless it is in alignment with your true purpose of why you're here the joy that you have to give, the love that you have to do, whatever it is that's of value to you, if you are not in service to that, if you are not using, as Raymond Charles Barker says, the divine creative process in support of your true passion, of your true goal, of your true set of values, then ultimately you will not view yourself as successful. And that, too, will be a parking space. You'll begin to think of yourself as, well, my life was okay. Not necessarily terribly successful, but it was okay. I did my thing. I earned my living. Is that where we want to be, though? Okay, well, let's assume for the moment that you want to get back onto the road of success. Now, some of you have never left it, and, and hooray, right? It's like some of you are living your dream and are being totally successful, and you know it and go for it. And for the rest of us who have faltered a little bit, for the rest of us who have found ourselves in a parking space, how can we move forward? Let me read just a little bit more from Treat Yourself to Life. He says, what did you want to do when you were 18? You wanted to be a very great success. Everyone at 18 does. And then by the age of 30, you've accumulated a family and responsibilities. You've settled down. And that, for some, can be the most dangerous thing that you can ever do. It is psychologically damaging. You have conformed to the pattern of Westchester, Beverly Hills, Connecticut, or even Portland, Oregon. You have accepted rather than chosen this pattern. How many times have you compromised and accepted patterns rather than selected them? The unguarded mind accepts rather than selects. What would it be like if every time that you went into a restaurant, all you could order was the soup du jour? (laughs) <laughs> Are you familiar with that concept? So every restaurant, well, probably most restaurants anyway, have what they call the soup du jour. And usually it's made up of the previous night's special, cut into pieces and put into a broth or a cream or something like that. And that's the soup du jour. And it's always on the menu and you always have to ask, "Well, what is the soup du jour?" And then the 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 wait staff will will let you know what yesterday's special was. What if Every time you went into a restaurant, you had to accept the soup du jour. That's what Raymond Charles Barker is telling us here, that so often life is just handed to us in some particular form. What is it to live in this family? What is it to live in Portland, Oregon? What is it to be this kind of a person with these kind of abilities? And here is the life that goes with it, and you say, um okay, I guess. I guess I'll go to work for the telephone company. I guess even though this guy is kind of a jerk, uh, I guess I'll be his girlfriend or boyfriend. I, I mean, that's what's being presented to me. He says he loves me. I guess I ought to just go with that. Do you see the problem here? When we accept our life, often it isn't our life. It's someone else's idea of who we ought to be based on our family or based on our racial characteristics, based on our sex, based on the uh, the amount of, uh, uh, of affluence that was in our family or in our neighborhood. So here's your life. But do you have to accept it or can you choose differently? See, I think at that soul level, you can choose differently. You can be living in poor circumstances, but have a rich attitude. There can be a part of you that is not willing to accept anything less than the graciousness of spirit itself. Knowing that it's an infinite universe, I will have my share. Knowing that success is available, why should it not be mine? Knowing that love is available to all, why should I settle for anything less than unconditional and beautiful and sweet love that is meaningful to me? And when we have that attitude, that begins to seep out from that innermost part of, uh, of Larry's universe out to my physical body, and there a healing can take place. It begins seeping out into the world of affairs of, of my friends and family, and I begin attracting to me people that have similar values and that view love the way that I do, that view abundance the way that I do, and so on. So the road to success, if we want to stay on the road to success, really all we have to do, and, I, and I'm going to say this as though it were the easiest thing in the world, and oh my gosh, I know it's not. I know it's not easy at all, but all we have to do is stay in alignment with what our values and goals are rather than the messaging we're getting from the world around us. If we can stay focused on what we wish to achieve, on our goals, on our mission, on the joys, on the love, on the abundance that we deserve, on good health, on beauty, whatever it is that we hold high in our own esteem, when we remain focused on that, we are on the road to success and that success will not ever be denied to us. You've got the secret. (laughs) Let me go over a little bit about what we've talked about today. First of all, to summarize, success is based on the creative pursuit of your values, intentions, and goals. It's not a fixed number. It's not some kind of artificial achievement. It's not having a certain amount of money in your 401k. It's not even uh, having an ideal picture of your home and family. Success is based on the creative pursuit of your values, intentions, and goals. Success is also being satisfied with the results. Have you ever met someone who was never satisfied? No matter what came their way, no matter what love or what joy or whatever, they were just never satisfied. That's the second part of what Raymond Charles Barker says. We also have to know when we're satisfied. I am achieving my goals and I'm happy about it. I'm not wanting just to have more money to have more money. I'm perfectly satisfied now. I am successful, and that's sufficient. A friend of mine is going back for uh, yet another college degree, and I asked him, I said, so why are you going back to college? I remember the last time when you went back for your master's degree, it just wrecked havoc in your life. Uh, it's like your family felt like you were checking out, and a bunch of things happened. And he said, well, I just think I need that more advanced degree. And I thought to myself, that he is so successful, but he doesn't see it. He doesn't see a sufficiency in what he has already achieved. So that's the other piece of it, success based on our creative pursuit of our values and success also being satisfied with the results. We talked about what stands in the way of success are our contrary belief patterns, those things at the very core of us, that's the only thing that can stand in our way. The parking spot, the, the good enough, the what we've settled for. It's the only thing that stands in the way of our success. And then finally we talked about to change things, we start from the inner self. We change the way we think about ourselves and the world and get back to the values that we hold dear and important to ourselves. Okay, well, I do have some homework uh, for you. You might have imagined this. And the homework is, uh, I think, straightforward, although it may cause some soul-searching to occur. The homework is, are your patterns of belief in alignment with your values, intentions, and goals? So naturally, where you probably want to start, and some of you maybe haven't done this before, what are your values, intentions, and goals? What's important to you? How do you want to show up in the world? If a hundred years had gone by, and some friends of you were talking about you in the past, what what would they say that would be the most important aspect of your life? Oh my God, she was a civil rights crusader. Oh my word, he was the most amazing professor of education ever. What would you imagine? friends of you saying about yourself, your legacy that you would leave to the world. This might be part of those values, intentions, and goals. So again, your homework is, is your pattern of belief in alignment with your values, intentions, and goals. Are you on the track for success or are you on a parking spot? Well, I'm going to close today with a lovely prayer for success right out of the book. At the end of each of the chapters of this book, Raymond Charles Barker has an actual prayer covering the subject material. And so this is his prayer for success. He says, in God, in the one mind, I live, I move, and I have my being. Good alone is present in this instant, and God always knows what's to do and how it is to be done. Therefore, there is in me no mental block to my success. There is only the intelligent action of a perfect God. This full action is taking place through me and bringing to pass my freedom from all untruth. This past cannot limit me, the present cannot confound me, and the future cannot cause me fear." God in me and acting through me is my guarantee of success. I move forward into my expanded good divinely directed to successful accomplishment. I rejoice in success for I am success itself. Thank you for being here today. I, I've so enjoyed covering Raymond Charles Barker this month. Now is our time of conscious giving. I'd like you to, to perhaps think about what this particular series of podcasts and services has meant to you. I invite you, if you like, to go to our website, cslportland.org. At the bottom of all of our pages there is a little link for making a donation. And It would be our honor to receive your gift today. Before we close today, uh, thank you all for those of you who send letters and notes to me. I wanted to do a shout out here. John Freeman, I wanted to do a shout out to him. He says, uh, though it has taken some time, I have listened to all of your podcasts. Oh my God. All the way back to 2013. Your message is inspiring people thousands of miles away and offering hope. I may never see you but you have impacted my life. So please know that your donations allow us to make a difference in the lives of people. Again, that we may never see thousands of miles away. Thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you happen to be in the Portland, Oregon area, we'd love to have you visit in person. The Portland Center for Spiritual Living is located at 6211 Northeast Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard. We have inspirational services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. every Sunday. We also have many programs, classes, and workshops developed just for our online audience. To find out more, go to our website at cslportland.org and look under the Online tab. Allow us to become part of your extended spiritual community. Wherever you are on your spiritual journey, you are most welcome at the Center for Spiritual Living.